Welcome to the new segment of the Unyielded, Thriving No Matter What podcast, Rise and Thrive. I'm your host, Bobby Kaler. I wanted to create a super short segment that would be fuel for you so that you can make the absolute most out of this week that you've been given. Let's dive in to today's episode. Have you ever had one of those moments when the universe taps you on the shoulder and says, you might want to pay attention to this? I have, and I've come to really trust those moments. I remember one when I was about 20 years old. I was working hard at my new job, and I was doing quite well, like I usually did. The problem, it seemed, is that no matter what job I had, I always had these coworkers that, ah, they were just troublesome. Now, on this particular day, I was complaining to myself about my coworkers, and I thought, why is it that no matter where I go or where I work, I always have such bothersome coworkers? And that's when the universe tapped me on the shoulder and said, gee, Bobby, what's the common denominator? Bobby, ouch, <laughs> right? But that moment of in-your-face clarity got my attention, and I realized that my way of communicating was absolutely terrible. I had, without intention, copied my mom's style of communicating when she was upset, which was very aggressive and actually it was kind of nasty. It is not her fault that I copied her. It was one of those choices in life that we sometimes make without even realizing it. Now, the good news is that once I realized that I was choosing it, I could change it. That led me to start a practice that I have modified and I still use to this day. Here's what I did. Here's my process. At the end of every single workday back then, I sat down and I journaled about the following. Number one, what interactions went well today and why? Meaning, what did I do to contribute to those positive interactions? Number two, what interactions didn't go well today and why? Meaning, What did I do to contribute to the interaction not going well? And then number three, for those interactions that didn't go well, what can I do differently in the future to get a better result? Now, I have to admit, this was a lucky question that I came up with. I did not know it at the time, but there's a really great reason to ask yourself this question. And I didn't know it until years later when I had to study neuroscience, but it's this. It literally begins to train your brain to act that way in the future when a similar situation arises. That was my practice every single day for years. Now, it didn't take long for my communication to improve. And when I say improve, it began as incremental improvements, but within about six months, it was dramatic improvements. I mean, People were beginning to notice. And today, it's one of my strengths. And a side note about that, I think that one of the reasons that was so important to me that I worked on my communication is that once I really, I truly saw how I was communicating, I knew that it was not aligned with the person that I believed myself to be. It became painful to continue to communicate in that way. So back to my mastery practice. As I said earlier, I still use this with some variations to this day. When I started speaking professionally back in 2002, I knew that I had a lot of room to grow. 
So after every presentation, I would journal about the experience using the same prompts as above. What went well and why? What didn't go as well as I would have liked and why? And what could I do differently in the future? When I started coaching some 20 years ago, I used the same journaling questions after every single coaching session. It's how I get better. When I began my podcast in July of 2020, I used the same practice. After every single interview, I asked myself that question. It's how I learn. It's how I build awareness. So when there is something that I want to master, I use this process because I know that I will not start off as a master. I begin as a student of the activity. This is my practice of moving towards mastery. And finally, now my examples here have been professional ones, but these apply personally as well. I've applied it to conversations with friends or family members to make sure that I wasn't taking those conversations for granted. You know, was I showing up in those conversations in a positive way? When I went to grad school, I had my mind blown from something that we studied, and it was this. Every interaction that we have is co-created. Every interaction we have is co-created. An exception would be if we, you know, if we truly encounter an actual psychopath who's trying to harm us, okay? But for the most part, the interactions we have on a daily basis are co-created. Truly a mind-blowing concept. Sometimes it's a painful concept because it is easier to believe that it is the other person's fault. Easier, maybe, but not generative and not powerful. Here's a quick example. Christmas of 2009, Rick and I were for some reason in the middle of renovating our one and only bathroom. Now, we encountered a few issues and it was annoying. And somehow we ended up fighting during Christmas dinner. It was, it was a disaster. I mean, it's Christmas. It, and I don't want to fight anytime, but Christmas, it was terrible. So finally, this concept of co-creating experiences entered my mind. And I literally pushed back a little bit from the table. And I said something like, I know that this is not what either of us intended or wanted from this day. But here we are. Can we take a step back and look at it through the lens of how did we co-create this experience? Here's how I think I co-created it. And I went on to you know, say the things that I had done, how I contributed to it. That led Rick to do the same, and we moved past it. I remember after having the conversation, you know, we moved on, we enjoyed our dinner, and we both said later how empowering it was to talk about it that way. Now, now, one note I should mention, because the notion of co-creating experiences was so mind-blowing to me, Rick and I had talked about that concept before the fight, which likely helped out. But it was empowering. It gave us a tool to use to move past a silly argument. I bring up this concept because it is actually exceedingly rare for something to be 100% the other person's fault. I'm not saying that it can't happen but I am saying it is exceedingly rare. By looking for where we have responsibility, it's one of the most empowering things that we can do. There's nothing more truly powerful than owning our own stuff. It's easy to blame. It is easy to justify. It is easy to rationalize our behavior. And none of that is really powerful and none of that is empowering. 
That ties back to my simple practice that I started all those years ago of looking for what did I own in those conversations when they went well and when they didn't go well. It is the only way that I could change and it's the only way I could change the outcome. So give that practice a try and let me know how it goes. That wraps up this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks for listening. And before you go, make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you never miss another episode. And no matter what happens this week, make sure that you rise and thrive.